welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, everyone. Buddy C, welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. I'd like to welcome Marla and Amy and Mark and Craig and Matt and Dennis. Good to have everyone today. Um, remember, next week we will have Sensei. We'll need Craig. What's our chapter eight? Are we on verse eight? Is that right? Yeah, verse eight. Okay, we'll need questions for Sensei. He likes that, so we'll need to get those together the next couple of days and get to him. So, if you got anything, post it in the Facebook group, and we'll compile together. See what he brings from a Zen perspective for us next week. Today, we've got a different conversation. I had a sponsee, and I'd like to uh, thank Justin Elm for texting me about this uh, story. Uh, There's a podcast he was listening to. It's called The Alan Watts Experience. And he was listening to Alan Watts talk about basically what it ended up being was, I titled it The Unblocked Mind. about intuitive knowing. And it was so good that I transcribed it and we're going to use it for context today. So if you got, does anyone need a copy? If you do, I'll put it in the chat. You have it. Everyone have it. Okay. Good. Good. What I thought we would do. Oh, I do want to mention our 9 p.m. meeting. Um, 9 p.m. Eastern every night is a, uh, very good, or at least we're told it's good. Um, AA meeting. We have, if you're coming, I'd suggest being there early because we are topping out at least four to five nights a week now at a hundred. Uh, the other night we stayed at a hundred until 20 till 10. Like for 40 minutes, we stayed at a hundred people. Someone would drop out. Someone else would come in. Someone would drop out. Someone would come in. So I'd get there a little early if I wanted to get a seat, unless I just wanted to sit and wait. Just good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Uh, it's uh, zoomaameetings.com is a direct link. I'll have that in the chat for you, or in the chat, in the uh, episode notes. What I thought we would do on this, because it's pretty long, why don't we just start reading it? I'll read uh, just a little uh, segment. And then we'll talk about that segment. Before we do that, though, any overall comments before we start reading the text? I know we, we had some talk in the in the Facebook chat about it. Um, any thoughts on this, guys, before we start reading? No, well, just just a thought about it. I'm looking forward to try that uh, that deck of card things with the high-low number just to see if <laughs> how we handle that. Yeah, you know... <laughs> Yeah, basically, uh, I think Dennis, this is talking about three different ways of looking at, from what I can see, three different ways of looking at uh, decision making. We have the classic. We look at the pros and the cons, and you know we think it through. We search and we research and we ask for advice and we do all these things. Should I or should I not? And we make a decision based on the facts as we see them, right? Then we have the intuitive thought that comes that surprises us because we, a lot of times I don't even, I don't even know it's intuitive. It's just a thought that came like other thoughts come, right? I'll give you an example of that from this week. And if you guys have any examples of these intuitive things happening, kind of jot them down or have them, we'll talk about them and how they, arrived and what's different about them now if we talk about this for two or three weeks i don't care it doesn't matter i'm in no rush i have no agenda this is i think this is the essence of one of the things that we study Taoism about is this intuitive knowing uh that's part of this um i had a sponsee this week that messaged me or he uh, we were talking for our, for the week, and he said, you won't believe what happened. I said, what? He said, well, he chairs the Friday night meeting, uh, Derek. You know, he said, I was just thinking about the meeting, and a thought came to me that I should, uh, maybe I should use a serenity prayer this week for a topic. 
I said, okay. He said, you're not going to believe what happened. He said, as I'm thinking about it, my co-host texts me, and he doesn't normally do this. He texts me, and he asked if it was his anniversary week, if we could talk about the serenity prayer Friday night. And he never does that. There's no reason. There's no, you know, we're not all reading some material that's talking about the serenity prayer. You know, there's none of those things. And I was like, oh, that's uh, that's that intuitive thought, right? And then we have, and one thing that Alan Watts talks about in this, then we have past that is when we just know the right thing to do. We've skipped the thought altogether and we just know. Uh, I remember one time I experienced this and I was young. I mean, I was, I was in my twenties and I was, uh, going on vacation with a friend. I was married to number one, no kids yet. <laughs> and we were, we walked into the condo and my friend's father had the condo and I'd never met any of these his father and his people. And he said, we're looking for the remote control. And for some reason, I walked over to the couch, stuck my hand down in the cushions, didn't even have to look around, touched the remote control, pulled it out and said, here it is. I have no idea how I knew that it was in that exact spot. And it was something so unimportant. Why would, why couldn't that be with this, the important thing, the things I think are important, right? I mean, I know we've all had experiences like that, I'm sure, where something, that's just the one that comes to mind. I'm sure I've had others of those where I just knew something. And he, they all freaked out and said, how'd you know that? I don't know. I just, well, I think my response was, well, it's always in the cushions. And I just went on to something else. Which is really what I think, too. But in, as, a, as a yogic person, to me, the breath is completely intuitive. It just, uh, it knows to breathe. I don't, it has nothing to do with what we're thinking, but it's like the body, your breath is intuitive. It knows it has to breathe. It knows it has to be in your body. Thanks, Marla. There's, there's just so much to this that we have not a clue about. So much. Any other comments before we begin? But that's basically the three different things I see in this, and especially the last one. And part of Zen study, and he talks about Zen is with koans and koans, koans, and a, a koan is learning how to just go with that gut, you know, that bypassing the... <laughs> I'm pointing at my head, you know, <laughs> bypassing this head, you know, bypassing all the thinking. And so much in recovery is that stop thinking, you know, and then, of course, you know, Craig's mantra, stop thinking and end your problems, you know. It's so true, though. It is. So this is about moving toward that intuitive knowing, you know. So intuitive, you also have to trust the, trust yourself, right? Yeah. I usually use, I find that more intuitive thoughts, I just don't resist anything. I just don't interfere in anything at all. So it's just a case of like, that's, that's what's popped into my head. And it says, sometimes it's more of like gut feeling rather than that head feeling. You just know that, that something's intuitively right. The more that I try to think about it, the more I'm going to screw it up. It has something to do too, Craig, I think with, you know, in Letting Go, Hawkins book, Pathway to Surrender, the, I don't have, in the desire chapter, he talks about the reason that we don't have what we're desiring is because we desire it. Because when we desire it, we're saying we don't have it already. Correct. So we get in our way. And that's part of this too. Because the reason I want to understand intuitive knowledge is a little bit selfish because I would love to be able to do that in everything. It's so easy. So I want to control it. So I want to take something that's beyond my control. The reason it works is because I'm not controlling it, right? I was just going to, just going to say, isn't that half the? Isn't that the idea of it being yeah, more intuitive? It's kind of like, don't tell buddy, but this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's it's paradoxical. Yeah, 
So, so I have a real life example. Um, just last week, I, I was just sitting here thinking, I'm like, I know a lot of good things happened last week and I know they were not orchestrated by me. Um, my sister and I have been trying to plan a trip, a vacation to Iceland. We were supposed to go last September. We couldn't. And I read an article one night this week that said Iceland was opening its borders to vaccinated travelers. I got so excited. I was like, she's already vaccinated. I've got to schedule my first vaccine. Now I qualify. It was like the same day, like all of a sudden I qualified. And then, so I was able to miraculously, even though other people had not been successful in getting an appointment, got one for Friday. Okay. Well, I thought I'm going to ask also when I get there, if there's any way they can vaccinate my daughter who turned 16 the day before then she was qualified because she has asthma anyway. So I get to the pharmacy, I'm filling out the paperwork and I say, do you have, can I get her vaccinated too? And she said, not without an appointment. I said, okay, normally I would have been really upset, would have, you know, raised, just don't you understand? She needs to be vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. I just said, okay, no big deal. Well, the intuitiveness or awareness that I now have because of, all of this spiritual stuff that I'm working on. I'm sitting there filling out the paperwork and I overheard somebody say, well, the 515 appointment canceled. <laughs> I was like, it's five o'clock. Oh my gosh. So I finished my paperwork and went back up there and I said, Oh, I just overheard that your 515 canceled. Is it any, is there any way that you can let my daughter now have that appointment? So they discussed it with the pharmacist and whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, then when the pharmacist called me up to discuss that, he, he looked and he said, so what does that mean? We'll have one dose left. I said, how about I call my husband? He's right down the street. So we ended up because I was just aware and didn't pitch a fit and act a fool. All of a sudden, the three of us got our first dose Friday. There you go. There's a real life example, buddy. Going with the flow. Yep. Now listen to this one. I was reading <laughs> with a sponsee last week. And what I do with sponsees is we read things. We'll read a book. Or we'll read. And I've got one that I have not been meeting with because of the, uh, uh, I met with in over a year, uh, just because of everything going on. And he's been very busy. And he should have, uh, you know, he should have been more proactive to meet with me, <coughs> Zach B, but he wasn't, and he's doing good. He's a great guy, uh, Derek knows. But uh, I finally met with him this week, and we're going to start reading something. And I thought, well, what should we read? And the only book that came to mind, now he's very strict, Catholic, I mean, all of that kind of stuff, right? Works for a nonprofit, all that. The, the book that came to mind was Russell Brand's book on recovery, right? The total opposite of him. And I thought, and I said, how about the Russell Brand book? He said, you're not going to believe it, but that's the exact book I just thought of that we should read. I haven't even thought of that book. And he was just shocked, you know, that we had the same. And I'm like, okay. And I, I made a mental note of that because of this, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here is that, you know, I don't know. So, it seems to me like that's more coincidental. Well, it would be if we had talked to three or four different books, Marla, or we had been, or if it's something in line with things he normally oh, so reads. I'm so, like you intuitively knew. Each yeah, other. it was just, I mean, it just popped, you know, and then he had this exact same. We've never talked about Russell Brand. We've never mentioned Russell Brand. He's not part of our conversation. Now, there's another sponsor. We talk about him. So it would be kind of like, yeah, that would be, that would make sense. With him, that makes zero sense. It would be more like for him would be reading a, uh, oh, uh, uh, one of the books by what's the guy breathing underwater? To uh, draw. No, well, not no, not that breathing underwater, but the the uh, guy in New Mexico, the monk in New Mexico that does a lot of recovery stuff. That's not in Richard Draw. Richard Draw breathing underwater. Richard Draw. I'm sorry, I didn't understand your. Uh, I thought you, yeah, Richard Draw. You're right, Craig. I couldn't understand you. It's the Alabama accent. Go ahead. That yeah. accent of Craig's is so strong. Now listen, to this. I got another story for you. This is <laughs> out of, uh, 
before you go to the next story, I'm, you, you, something I'm trying to get in my head around this, this thing where you just said Zach wasn't very proactive in contacting you. Isn't it your job to contact your sponsees? I, I, I thought you had to run around after them. <laughs> no, <I don't laughs> not me. Oh, and, and, and here's another one. Don't think I'm sitting down reading um, that Russell Brand with you. Just please. Just, I'm putting out of there now. <laughs> it's not happening. I listened to it the book. I listened to it and it was very good, actually. I was very surprised. His, it is. Uh, it his is. level of recovery really did amaze me. I had no idea that it would be half as good as it was, just quite honestly. I, I liked it. Yeah, he still is talking a lot, by the way. Oh, he's just jabber, jabber, jabber. He talks about a lot of shit. This is from uh, Hawkins' book on letting go. He says that, uh, it's talking about desire. When utilizing this way of achieving goals, we include all the details about the goal. Uh, talking about desire, uh, as impossible as they may seem to be to the rational mind. So the idea of an apartment was detailed. He needed an apartment for work in town. Reasonably priced on Fifth Avenue on the 70s block, right next to an entrance to Central Park at least eight or nine floors up and in the rear so that the street noise would be minimized and not any bigger than about two and a half rooms. I'm like, this is, uh-uh. you know, that don't make sense to me. But he said he's wanting in this apartment for work because he's his practice. He has to come in and rent hotel rooms. He says it just doesn't make sense. So the next day at work, it was as busy as usual with a big caseload, meetings, patient visits. In between the meetings and patients, the feeling of wantingness for the apartment would be acknowledged and let go. And as the day progressed, the apartment was actually forgotten. They forgot that he even wanted it. Kind of like what Amy was talking about when you wanted this for your daughter, but it was okay if they did it. It was okay if they did you know, that kind of an attitude. Uh, at 4.30 p.m. after the last patient, there was suddenly the impulse to drive into the city. An intuitive thought, right? Despite the fact that it was ostensibly rush hour, the road was clear and the drive took only half an hour. The car cruised to about 73rd and Lexington pulled into the nearest real estate office. Rather magically, there happened to be a parking space open right in front of the real estate office. The real estate officer, upon hearing the tongue-in-cheek announcement that an apartment on Fifth Avenue was desired, looked with surprise and said, well, you're certainly in luck. Exactly one hour ago, we listed the only apartment for rent on all of Fifth Avenue. At 76th Street on the ninth floor, it's a rear apartment, two and a half rooms, and the rent reasonably is reasonable, rent controlled at $500 a month. It has just been painted and you can move in any time. So we walked over and viewed the apartment. It fit the description of the goal exactly. The lease was signed on the spot. Thus, within 24 hours of trying the letting go technique on a specific personal goal, the goal was a reality. It had been something that was almost impossible to find. And yet it happened exactly as pictured, effortlessly, and with no negative emotions. It was an easy and joyous experience. This is when he was learning to let go. So, but this is the same, seems to be the same process with this intuitive knowing, with uh, getting out of the way. I don't know, I think it's all the same. I think it's all the same. Anything else before we start reading? I just find that story so hard to believe. I'm sorry. It is, it is, it's all, it's a, so hard to I, believe. I can't believe this guy, though, Marty, goes over and over more things over and over how this has happened for him. It, it just, you know, I, I've done that before with a house that I really wanted and I manifested it and then I let it go. It's I'm not living in it. Well, this and is it, the thing. <laughs> I think that if Part of the preface of that is not just be, just because you want it means it's something that will happen. If it's coming from a place of ego, of course it's not. But if it's something that's um, that is really something you really need, 
something that is coming from um if if the desire is from from the small self rather than the 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 selfish you know egotistical self then i could see those things starting to happen for you you know but just because i want a new car doesn't mean that i can manifest a new car in my life no i think i think we have intuitive desires too and intuitive stuff as well anyway that's i'd definitely recommend the book there's something always self-defeating in attempts to succeed nothing fails like success for this reason the Taoist always has an attitude of caution. Cautious is one who crosses a river in the spring, either because of the spring floods or because the ice is still there. And you're not quite sure how strong it is, and it's beginning to thaw. That's from uh, the 15th chapter of the Tao Te Ching. So what the Taoist is trying to develop is a sensitivity to the situation. He tries to intuitively feel what kind of actions required under these circumstances because he feels that he can never discover it analytically with his conscious attention alone. To talk in modern Western terms about how this is done, we must realize, of course, that we're equipped inside our heads with an absolutely fantastic thing called the brain with its millions and millions of neurons. It is, as it were, the most amazing computer ever devised. Basic to the Taoist attitude to life is that you have it within you and you may, if you don't know anything about brains very much, call it intuition or something similar. But you have within you the most amazing logical analyzer that exists in the world. And the point is to get it to work for you. So he's saying that that intuitive comes from our brain. Now here's another Craig from the 42nd verse, because when we lose, we've won, and when we succeed, we have failed. Comment, Craig? That's from the Ron Hogan translation. We were talking about that today. Um, it just cropped up when Alan Watts was talking about, you know, when, when we succeeded, we've really failed or the other way around. I think it just depends really on what we're measuring a success against and what, the, what we've lost to gain that success. I think just when you're putting it in the balance of, of. This is from Returning to Silence, uh, Katagiri. Let us imagine you're climbing up a mountain cliff. The situation is just like being on the verge of uh, life and death. There's no way to escape. You cannot complain. If you're there, all you have to do is just be there. If you act instinctively, you could die. If you're nervous, you could die. Should you depend on the intellect, you could also die. So you have to depend on the mountain, your mind, and all circumstances. You have to watch carefully and understand. Your consciousness must be clear and know what is going on there. Then, after using your best understanding, your body and your mind should depend on one step. This is action. There's nothing to think about, nothing to depend on. All we have to do is just be there using all the things we already have, consciousness, mind, mountain, weather, then we have to act. Just take one step. How many, have y'all ever been in a situation that was like a really hard thing, but yet all of that left and you just knew the next thing to do and you just did it calmly? There's an element of surrender to that, surrender to the moment. That's part of this too, I think. Traffic many times when uh, when I was younger in Copenhagen, where there was a lot of traffic, and, and I remember I had to, I, I accidentally went and against against traffic on one of those one way street, and I had to back out a little, and I, I wasn't nervous. It just came, oh, here I went wrong, and then I just turned around. When normally I would get nervous in, in a situation like that. So yes, many. Other comments before I read on. Instead of trying. With conscious attention alone, which can only think of about three things at a time without using a pencil, that is to say three variables in the mind at once, we can do four if you're a trained musician where you're keeping four variables in the mind at once. An organist can go from four to six because they have two feet that are playing two, but that requires a high amount of training to be able to 
with conscious attention to keep this many variables in mind. The world around us has infinitely more variables going on than you can reason with your conscious thinking. Let's say you want to make a contract in business. You figure out how to make it. He talks about that, but there's always something to forget, right? So you can't think of everything, in other words. So then the question arises, is it within the power of the human brain to comprehend because of its immense complexity in a kind of subconscious way what the surface consciousness can never grasp? The Taoists would say certainly it can. But you've got to learn to use your brain by allowing it to go to work on your problems without interfering. Then it will deliver you a decision. So he says that's all coming from, he calls it the brain. This is why when you get to the real study of Zen Buddhist practice, you'll get to the point where you learn to act without making decisions. Or rather, to use a more exact word, without choosing. Krishnamurti talks a great deal about being choicelessly aware. And he says freedom is precisely the state of not having to choose. Now, that sounds paradoxical because we always talk about the freedom of choice. Choice is not a form of freedom in the sense of the word. Choice is the act of hesitation that we make before making a decision. It's a mental wobbling when you take a pen to write. You don't just write. You take the pen and jiggle it around and decide to start writing. Or a person comes into the room and wonders who to talk to. At that moment, he is choosing. Whereas a person who comes into a room and decides who to approach, he doesn't wait to choose. He, We say he is decisive, but that's a funny saying because it means he doesn't stop to decide. That's yeah. very good. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Dennis. Well, I was just thinking because that's kind of how, and I, and I know it's going to talk about it later on, so I don't want to blow up on that. But but we were kind of raised to to sit and, and make those choices and freedom of choice, right? And I kind of like that freedom is not to choose, but act on that intuition instead. It's the freedom of not having to choose. Yes, exactly. Because, and, and I know when I'm in that indecisiveness mood where I have to figure out one thing and I gotta research and all, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I like when things just happens naturally. So, so, um, so, so that, that was really an eye opener for me. Um, that, <laughs> that, that I don't have to decide at all. I'll just, I'll just go with that. And it's kind of funny that we are saying that it's a thought. Of course, it has to be a thought before we do something. But we also refer to that intuition as a gut feeling, right? Uh, yeah, you know that. And this is the thing, Dennis. We we put all these tags on on God and God stuff, and you know, at one point I would get a, I would have probably, I mean, I have Buddhist friends that would get offended because you mentioned God, right? And I have Christian friends who would get offended if you did not think it was God doing this, okay? So I think the whole point is no matter what tags we decide to put on this stuff, where we're coming from with this, I just know it's something more than my intellect. I don't give a flying flip where it's coming from. Okay, it's just good, you know. I agree. Yes, I agree. If you want to think it's God, if uh, Mark wants to think it's higher mind consciousness or some other name i don't care you know doesn't matter to me i I think when we get past those labels that that gives us the freedom really start seeing more in this than we could have seen before Hmm. i'd just like to say something um i use the word god but i don't mean god in the conventional sense i guess i'm talking about the bow on the 12 steps i say god I think about choice. Um, Plant the word is in a way that doesn't sound like a rush song, but if you choose not to decide, I, it's going to sound exactly like a rush song. You're still making a choice. You're choosing not to make the choice. So that is itself a choice. You're choosing to let it be what it is. But but hey, but 
Matt, I think what he's saying is it's already knowing what to do without having to sit and mentally figure it out. It's above making the choice. You don't have to make the choice because you know what to do. He doesn't quite talk it in those words, but that that's what I, and if you listen to, you can go to uh, YouTube and look up Krishnamurti. There's a lot of his teachings still on YouTube when he's a very old man. And can you probably spell that in the chat so that I can make a note of it? Yeah, I will. It's uh, and I'll just say it for anyone that's on the podcast. It's K R I S H N A M U R T I. I'll put it in the chat for you though. Thank you. Uh, he has a number of talks in uh, in YouTube. Being choicelessly aware. See, Matt, he's talking about being aware above choice that you don't have to mentally do this. You're 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 aware. And, and I think that's what this is. All these things are happening around us. We're just not conscious to it. It goes back, Amy, to the 11th step, praying only for the knowledge of his will. It's not that we're praying his will to be done. We're just praying to be able to see it. And the power to carry that out. Yeah. That's the thing, too. That's the freedom. Yeah. That's the freedom. And- And this is so screaming out to me, page 420 in the book, where it says, acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to him. However it turns out, that's God's will for me, or the universe's will for me, or the Tao's will for me, or whatever you want to put into that sentence, right? And then... I love this sentence in what we're reading. You've got to learn to use your brain by allowing it to go to work on your problems without interfering. Then it will deliver you a decision. So that's like trusting that I'm smart enough and good enough that it's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen as long as I stay out of the freaking way. And the way I stay out of the way is doing what you said. I just help the person that's in front of me to help. And that is the basis of the Tao. Yeah. Wow. This is very good. Also in step 11, when you're talking about it, Paige, I think it's 86, 85, 86, we will intuitively know how to handle situations with you to baffle us. 85. It's kind of an extension of that. We'll intuitively know how to handle everything. Right? Not just the things that's baffling us, but, but everything. But didn't uh-huh. everything used to baffle? Everything used to baffle. Yeah, yeah, everything. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> it sounds almost as if the, the choice has already been made for us, and it's just up to us to accept it. That sounds like fated. You're like you're fated for something. Is that what you mean? Like your fate is set. Your destiny is set. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. They're just yeah, they're, they're just the decision's already made. It's just up to me to do it. What do you think about it, Craig? Well, I, I don't think about it because the decision's already made. It's kind of like being married. It's kind of like being a married man. The decision's already made for you. It's just up to me to do it. That's true. I get that. Well, you know, I think it can be faded. Fate, like. Summer is going to follow spring, like spring followed winter, like the world, the earth is rotating around the sun, and a year from now we'll be in this very same location. There's a cycle to all of these things. So if the rest of the universe has a cycle, the rest of our world why do we not think we have a cycle too? And I think it's this flow of life. Think about it like the water still, you know, this flow of life. We're going down the stream. We're fated to go down the stream, Marla. Yes, I believe that. We're fated this path. Now, we're going to keep traveling down the stream. Now, I think there's things in there that can be different one way or the other, but yet we're going to go, you know, unless we're fighting this thing, we're going to go with this flow of life. That's what makes this easy when we learn to live in this flow. Keep our feet up, not grab things on the branch. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, that whole idea, you know, not fight it. 
Just go with the flow. Stand on what is moving, Dennis, like we talked about before. You know, you just go, go where you're being pushed. Claire B talks about that's her little saying go where you're being pushed. That's almost like the hydrological cycle. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. Uh, hey, Mark. I'd love oh, to be Mark's, on laughing. The Mark's busy laughing. I'd love to be in on the joke, Craig. It's literally just the water cycle. It's <laughs> about the water cycle. <laughs> but he wanted to make it something way more complicated. And he's like, isn't it like the hydro? I can't even say that word. But anyway, we're like, no, it's just the water cycle. And Buddy's like, but no, it's something more complicated. <laughs> Hydrological cycle. <laughs> Craig's not going to let us forget that. Mark, what's your thoughts on this? Because I know you you come from a uh, in a, a background that's not a God background. I really am interested in how how this sounds to you. Is this uh, too woo woo for you? No, no, it's not. Um, but what? <laughs> I've been over here fighting my mind the whole time, thinking that uh, uh, the the more this sounds like this other thing, uh, uh, the less it actually ends up sounding like this thing. Um, so I'm just going to intuitively go with my gut instinct on what this was actually like hit landing for me. Right. So this whole uh, the, the self-defeating attempts to succeed and nothing fails like success uh, really smacks of the whole uh, uh, like drug and alcohol use in that uh, the desire for more positive experiences is actually a negative experience. Right. Hmm. And the acceptance of a negative experience is, is a positive experience. And so, um, you end up with that whole, that, that paradox that we were talking about earlier. Um, and the whole, whole idea of, of acceptance being the key for me now. Right. Um, so the, the, the idea that like the more you want to be rich, uh, the more you pursue, uh, uh, money and power, uh, uh, the fact that it's not there and you're pursuing it, it you'll always end up feeling poor, right? Um, so, again, <laughs> I, I'm kind of fighting myself because I'm like, well, no, we're really talking about intuitive thoughts, but at the same time, um, uh, maybe uh, the opposite of nothing fails like success is true in that um, uh, nothing succeeds like failure. Yeah. In that, um, you know, we go to the we go to the gym um, to feel pain and then uh, later on we are healthy as a result. I don't know. I don't know if I'm completely off base here, but th that's how kind of how it's hidden for me. What you're really getting at is no pain, no gain. Pain is the touchstone of all growth. One of my favorite sayings is embrace the suck, trust the struggle. I actually like that struggle that, that, that Mark was talking about here. That was it. I drank because I wanted to feel good all the time, right? And, and I, even in recovery, I'm, I'm that feel good whore. But when you're chasing something, it actually becomes horrible because you always want something that you don't have right now. And, and that's interesting that, that you, that's how that success can turn negative. That, that was a good insight. I like that. We were talking about that with money too. The same thing can happen with money. Because mm. the more you have, the more you want. The more you become obsessed with it, the more you need it, and it's just a crazy cycle of craziness. It's funny. I never had it with money, but my wife does. She never nags about me being messy and all that here, but with money, she does. <laughs> she says, and it's kind of funny, so I kind of get trapped underneath, under that one there. Uh, Zen Buddhism, which is simply a Buddhist extension of Taoism, arose out of the marriage of Buddhism and Taoism in the 5th century AD and over the following centuries. They have a way of training you so that you always act without choosing. For example, one day there was a leaky roof. A couple of monks were attending to the Zen master, and he said the roof is leaking. One monk disappeared and came back instantly with a sieve. He put it under the drips. Another monk, after some time, came back with a bucket. The master praised the one who brought the sieve. Now, 
the action wasn't exactly appropriate to catch rain, but the point was that he was in the spirit of the Zen discipline by acting without choosing. I have a quick question here, Mark, because please. this one drove me insane. Can somebody please tell me what a sieve is? Because oh, it's, a, it's, a makes point. it's a strainer. Oh, a strainer. Got it. Thank yeah, the water goes right through it. But it baffled me on it for another reason that I just don't understand. Why is it intuitive to pick up a, a sieve and not a bucket? I don't get that one. That's a good question. I, I, I think it's more because um, he just acted on his intuition. His intuition might have been wrong, but he still acted upon that. Okay. Mark's That's a- why. And then everything can kind of become, and then, then by then, I don't know. Well, even if it was wrong, he knew to put something underneath the grips. It was the wrong thing to put under there, but mm. all right. Thanks for clarifying. Sorry. With certain people, certain people never hesitate. They always seem to know what needs to be done. They seem somehow to grab something and do it. This is a kind of Zen capacity. So what happens is this. The teacher constantly throws curves at students and puts them in situations where they have to act immediately. One of the things, of course, that you must not do is rush, because rush is, a form of, rush is a form of hesitation. Like a person rushing to get a train, he starts to fall all over his feet, and that really holds him up. It's like trying to drive at high speed through the water with a blunt nose boat. That's a rush. But now what he's trying to obtain is a smooth, unhesitating, flowing action, which is the response to the challenge, and it must be done in what is another use of the word moon-on. This word is a combination of now and mind-heart, and so has the meaning of a thought. But especially for us, it is well translated by the psychological term blocking. You're blocking access to someone when they hesitate when they stop to choose. This is the attitude of the unblocked mind. Sometimes we have to bypass our intellectual knowledge and that's what we're trying to intellect something that, that is that is hard to do. Mm-hmm. So then do you not process your feelings? I, I just had this question is by doing this Tao work, by stepping back and taking the broader view of things, then when we have the little shit work to do internally you know, I tend to just like blow it off, like, oh, you know, look at the bigger picture and never uh, process. So do we not process our feelings and live the Tao? Is that what's telling me to do too? I think it's more observing the feelings than processing them, because if I process them, I might get into a pit of, of, of identifying myself with them. But if I can sit back and observe it, oh, now I feel angry. This is what I, that's just the feeling that's going through. Not the why I feel angry, but oh, I feel angry, but not why. Yes. If I go in and ask why, then I want to figure it out. And then I give it back to my brain and try to intellect it and, and heal myself mentally. But, but that doesn't make any sense when it comes to feelings for me. Anyway, buddy, I'm happy to see that, that you look pretty good after you got striking by lightning. <clears throat> Glad to see you're alive. Was that an intuitive thought to allow Craig to be co-host just in case? I don't know. Just with the sieve, because because I feel like Matt's really hung up on that, and this just this just came to me, right? <laughs> like I've heard, it's better to try and fail than never to try at all. And I put it in the chat. So maybe the point of the Zen master being pleased with his bringing back the sieve was that he just tried something to fix the problem. And it might have not been exactly the right fix, but he tried, right? He intuitively tried to to help. Um, so in the second one, though, just took him a bit longer. Right. He he sat there and analyzed and and and. He doesn't say that he analyzed. I just assumed the bucket was kind of away. After well, I say uh, analyzed because if it's not all about what to use, then. Yes, I get it. I just had it in my mind. It was perfect to go to get a bucket and it was to pick up a sieve. But yeah, I think you're right. He thought about what to get. Yes, that makes sense. Because the Zen master tries to teach you to act without choosing. He's trying to move you toward acting without choosing. 
Like you just act. And that has to, I think that has to come from a different place. Right. And I think moreover, we're, you know, the, the, the fact of bringing the, the sieve, uh, um, being an instant response, um, is, is to get you to jump into the stream of life. The more that you do that, I think as we go on further in this, the reading is your capacity for response increases. So, so perhaps the next time that you jump in, like your intuitive response won't be to grab a sieve. It'll be to grab a bowl, which maybe not be as good as a bucket, but, but ostensibly better than, you know, a sieve. <laughs> so, and here's that full circle again, because that takes me right back to the beginning of the conversation when we were talking about, I was talking about my uncomfortability with meditation and you all said, do it more, <laughs> practice it more. The more you do it, the more, into, the more natural it will feel. Well, the more times that you practice, right, just doing the intuitive thing without thinking of it, then the more natural it will be and the right answers will come if your own house is in order. How, how, how much is that like just doing the next right thing, doing what's in front of you to do? Yeah, exercising a muscle. Thank you, Mark. You know, it's just what Mark was just talking about there. Just the next time you're going to get the right thing. I was in the garden last week and Callum thought he'd come out and help me. So I was digging over one of the flower beds and he says, can I help you? I says, right, I need you to go and get me the fork. And then it disappeared. The forks I kept in the greenhouse. So I thought it would take two seconds to go and grab it. It's like five minutes later, he came back down with this fork from the kitchen, like like a, an eating utensil. <laughs> and I'm like, what's that for? He says, you told me to get the fork. I was like, so I did. So I did. Right. So maybe next time I'll maybe be a bit more explicit as to what I'm actually really needing. So I think next time you grab the garden fork rather than the eating fork. So I think that's maybe where this 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 monk was coming from. So you told me to grab something. You didn't tell me what to grab. I just grabbed the first thing that, that came to hand. That's and I've seen you. Example. I've seen you stream water with it. So maybe that's. And and I think we always. I don't know if we're ever going to recognize when we act intuitively in the moment, I think we're going to see it like the ninth step promises that we realize after the fact, mm. like we suddenly realize God's doing for us is because it's already happened. So, Whoa, wait a minute. How did that happen? You know, now, how do we, um, how do we tie this into where he, in the beginning was describing that, that we could multitask and most people can do three things at once. Some musicians can do four things at once. All this on the intuitively knowing is that when you kind of narrow down and only think of one thing where you kind of everything else is. is Are that you sure that's it? what he said, Dennis? Huh? Are you sure that's what he said? He was. He was. Didn't he? Well, let me see. About holding, thinking of three things at a time, like there's three choices, not multitasking. Like, like when you're coming into a situation. You have multiple variables. Ah, yes, you're right. So it's not multitasking, but you have multiple variables that you can Consider. choose from. Okay. Yeah, yeah I misunderstood so that. How thing. can we, within our, in, within our intellect, analyze all the variables there are to, to analyze? We can't. So there's got to be an intuitive way of hand, some way that our consciousness is able to do this outside of our mental constructs, our, our mental thinking. Right. That's what I saw. I don't, is that. Also as a mother, mothers have intuition that's beyond like anything you guys would ever know. Pretty strong. We have strong intuition. I would pick, if my daughter were pinned under a car, I would pick up the fucking car intuitively. I don't know where the strength would come from, but mothers have some strong ass shit going. But isn't that the point, Marla? You don't know where the strength would come from. It would just come. Just like we don't know how all of a sudden we intuitively do the next right thing or the right thing, but we just do. Or the person or the thing shows up for us, the person to help or the thing. We don't have to even create that. It's like May 9th and Daily Reflections. The person said they're going to overcome their fear. They ask God to help them. God doesn't help them. What God does is give them someone huddled in the elevator they go to go up 
to help and they forget about their own fear. They didn't have to create that, stand from the elevator for four days and wait on someone to come in that looked scared. You know, they just showed up at the elevator and said, God, I believe you're going to help me go up this elevator. God didn't help them go up the elevator. What God did was put a person in front of them they could help. That's the May 9th uh, Daily Reflection. Uh, it's incredible. It gives me chills every time I read it because that's really the way it works is that we, we don't, God doesn't help us. God puts someone in our path to help or the universe or whatever, you know, I want to give the disclaimer. Don't want anybody getting upset with me, but. No, but I'm totally, I'm totally getting that, that God, there's things that happen for things that happen that you don't know why, you know. You just have no idea, you know. Just, so, yeah. You so know our, our part is to let go. I think I really do. Our part is, is just like you were talking about, Amy, in uh, meditation. Meditation for me is just sitting. No expectations. None. Just sitting. Stillness. No goal. No, no goal. Nothing, nothing to hear, nothing to see, you know, because there's sound and light meditation that, you know, you say, oh, am I going to hear today or am I going to see the things today I see? And, oh, I wanted this and I want that. You know, when you start getting those kind of things happening in meditation, you can get caught up in that. And I, th- I found myself going to meditation expecting that. I said, no, uh-uh, I'm coming here for the wrong reasons. And it works long term. You know, meditation doesn't work right away. It works long term. It, you, it, you, it's a practice, definitely. And you see it after the fact, Marla. You'll go through a situation. Oh, I, I handled that differently. Why did I do that different than I used to? And then you realize, for me, it was meditation. Hmm. Well, you can't be part of the Zen group and not promote tons of meditation. Well, you realize that's the solution is emptiness. It's all about emptiness. Every bit of it for mm-hmm. me. Uh, even my sobriety is about emptiness. That's exactly what it's about. Oh, it's 503. Craig, you want to close this down? I'm gonna, thank you for jumping in when my internet went out. Thank you, sir. So oh, you're next, welcome. Next week is Sensei. Yep. We'll pick up We'll pick up the week after Sensei's been. We'll finish off this one in a, in a couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, so next week's uh, verse 8 for Sensei. So any questions, send it to the Facebook page or send it to the Messenger chat and we'll pick it up. We'll send it over. And... That's we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be at nine PM because yeah, the, the really annoying thing, Matt, is the, the American side of the world. They just want to be the first at everything, so they had to put the clocks forward three weeks before everybody else did. So it's kind of like two fingers to the rest of the world. So they, they just, they just do not. They don't know when to. Yeah, they, they, they just like, put their clocks forward for their stuff behind us. But uh, we better watch our language or some Australian yeah. like Come in here and put our way behind them. Oh my God! We, but the Americans, but, just, the Americans just like to muddy the water. They can't just let them. No, no, no. We, just, we hate daylight savings time. Just no. let it, let time stay the same all year. Right. So anyway, we'll see you next week at nine o'clock GMT, Matt. Everybody else have an amazing week, and we'll see you next week for Sensei. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.